Thank you. Amen. Gregory's dad, uh, Jane's son, Ike, serves in ARP Church in West Virginia. And so it's good to have another West Virginian here with us this morning. Uh, at least, you know, for Gregory's here, at least one good thing can come from West Virginia. So we're grateful for that. Uh, this morning, uh, we are between sermon series. So last week, we wrapped up our sermon series through the book of Proverbs, The Seven Deadly Sins. Today, we have a one-off sermon uh, for this Vision Sunday as we seek to get back on track as a church or remind ourselves about what our focus should be. So if you have a Bible, grab it and turn to the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. If you do not have a Bible with you, there should be a Carillion Red Pew Bible in front of you uh, that you can grab and turn to Matthew chapter 28, page 835 in that Pew Bible. Matthew 28, we're going to read verses 16 through 20 for our sermon this morning. Hear God's word this morning. Matthew chapter 28, we'll read verses 16 through 20. Last verses of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, You will want to note that this is after Jesus has um, been crucified, buried, and resurrected, and ascended, that this portion of Scripture occurs. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but... Some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Glory be to you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We praise you because of who you are and what you've done for us in reconciling us and our relationship with you. We gather this morning, Father, because you had a plan. A plan of redemption, a plan of reconciliation that was accomplished through your Son. In his virgin birth, his perfect life of obedience, his sacrificial death upon the cross as a substitutionary atonement for our sins from him resurrecting from the dead thus proving that he had conquered Satan's sin and death for all of eternity he's ascended he's seated at, seated at the right hand of you God the Father even this morning and he intercedes on our behalf and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that has applied the work of Christ to our hearts we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now as we've read your word and we, we've sung your word, we've prayed your word, and now we seek to hear your word preached. We pray that your spirit would make our hearts and our minds and our ears attentive to your word, that you would align us with you, we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Schedule your priorities. Don't prioritize your schedule. That simple but significant piece of advice 
is contained in Franklin Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, schedule your priorities, don't prioritize your schedule. What's Franklin Covey getting at? He's getting at this, that we all have a tendency to write down on a sheet of paper or type it in our cell phone in our notes section all the things to do that we need to get done that day. And then we tend to prioritize which things we need to do first. That's not a bad thing to do. And you have to do that in some way, shape, or form. What Franklin Covey's saying is that the things that are most important to you in your life, schedule them first or put them on your calendar first. For example, if I was to ask you what's the most important thing in your life or who are the most important people in your life, you would probably say Jesus, your spouse, your children, your family, maybe even your church. But if you're like me, there's a tendency in which you do all these other tasks first and then you try to squeeze in a little bit of time with your spouse or you try to squeeze in a little bit of time with your children. And what Franklin Covey says in his book is that here's the reality. We do what is most important to us. But sometimes we do the things first that we say are the least important to us. Why? Because they are the most pressing thing in our life. So Franklin Covey's advice to us is this, is that it's easy for us to get sidetracked with interruptions, demands, and duties with our job. And so we need to schedule our priorities first. Schedule the things on your calendar of the people that are most important to you. If it's your time with God, schedule that first thing in the morning. If it's time with your children and your spouse, schedule them in your calendar so that it's there in stone and in ink. That's a good reminder in our lives because if you're like me, I have a tendency to get distracted. Uh, we've got a project going on in our house right now that I'm just obsessing about it. Every day, I even found myself as I came to worship this morning thinking about what I need to do this week to get that project moving forward at our house a little bit more rapidly. It's easy to happen in our own lives. It's, it's easy for that to happen in the life of the church as well. It's easy for there to be interruptions and there to be sidetracks that can happen in the life of the church. And so this morning, uh, this, today's message is called Keep Your Eye on the Target. And that's true for us in our personal walk with Christ. But this morning I want to focus on keeping our eye on the target as a church, as a covenant body, as a corporate church. We need to be reminded of what the target is that Jesus Christ has given us. Here's the question for us. Do we prioritize what Jesus prioritizes? Do we prioritize what Jesus prioritizes? Not only in your own walk with Christ, but as a church. It's been a while since you've seen these targets around the sanctuary and around the church. I believe the last time you saw them was my first Sunday with you a couple of years ago. We don't always pull out these targets, but I pulled them out this morning because I wanted to remind you that we do have a mission statement in our church. And it's attached here to these targets. 
It says that our, our mission is to make disciples who worship, evangelize, and serve as a covenant community through Christ-centered and biblically ordered ministry. Now that's a mouthful and it's good and it's biblical and it's solid. But I want to unpack that this morning because it's really highlighting Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 through 20. But I want to unpack today's passage for you as we can challenge ourselves to keep our eyes on the target that Jesus has given us. This is the target that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit was sent to fill believers. So this morning I want to ask you, are you prioritizing in your own life what Jesus prioritized? As a church, are we prioritizing what Jesus told us we should prioritize? So this morning I want us to unpack this passage together, uh, focusing upon the top four priorities that Jesus gives us before he ascends into heaven. The first priority that Jesus gives us is to exalt him, to exalt Christ, to worship Christ. Notice what it says in verses 16 through 17. Jesus had told the disciples that after he resurrected, they were to meet him, go down to Galilee, and they were to meet him on the mountain. It says, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, what did they do? They worshipped him. They worshipped him. Notice that this passage highlights Jesus' divinity. That Jesus is God and that he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of praise. But notice it also says, verse 17, but some doubt it. We gather here every Sunday to exalt Christ. That's our top priority. That's our ultimate priority. But we want to be a church that as we seek to exalt Christ, we welcome those among us that struggle with doubts. Notice that the Holy Spirit, this is God's word that's inspired, thought it was significant enough for us to know that as the disciples gathered on the mountain and saw the resurrected Savior, the Holy Spirit included for our sake the fact that some of them doubted. We want Bartow Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church to be a place where people gather to exalt Christ and worship, worship Christ. However, we want this to also to be a place where it's safe to come with your doubts and your questions about Christ. We want this to be a place where it's safe to come and share your struggles with the Christian faith. And we don't want to scold you. Rather, we want to listen and converse with you as we pray that the Holy Spirit would encourage you to see how reasonable it is to have faith in Jesus Christ. Many of you have memorized and studied the Westminster Shorter Catechism. The first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is man's chief end? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's the top priority of Christ's church, that we are to glorify God, that we are to exalt Christ. 
Romans eleven thirty six says this, from, from him and through him and to him are all things. At the end of the day, we need to be reminded of the fact that this place is not ultimately about you or me. It's about Jesus. What we do here is ultimately about what's going to exalt Christ, worship Christ, and worship the one and only true triune God. Several years ago, uh, when I was in uh, high school, and that's a lot longer now than it used to be, I went on a mission trip to Mexico to a little town called Piedras Negras, and we partnered with, a, with an organization called Constructores para Cristo. We worked with them to build a house in one week. We literally built a house, a block house, in five days. And on the fifth day, there was a dedication ceremony for that house. And I remember there, we had a translator there. Most, most of the service was done in Spanish because we were in Mexico. And then we had a person there that translated for us so we could understand uh, at least part of what was going on there. In the middle of that dedication ceremony for that house... I heard someone scream. It sounded like they were screaming Spanish at the top of their lungs. And I remember as we were praying, I was sitting on, on, on a, a block, and I remember dropping to my knees, fearful that there's some bullets were, beginning to, were getting ready to fly. And as I opened up my eyes, what I noticed was that to my right, there was a woman in a hut that was standing on her feet, arms lifted up in the air, Eyes closed and speaking Spanish as loud and as fast as she possibly could. And I waited to see what was going to happen. And the interpreter of our group said this. She said, she is praising God that her neighbor was gifted with a new free home. Wow. I remember thinking to myself as a high school student. That lady is closer to Jesus than I am. And in reality, that woman may still be a lot closer to Jesus than I am today. Why? Because she knew that her life was not about her. It was all about Christ being exalted. And she was worshiping God because her neighbor had received a new home. What's the most important thing in your life? What's the most important thing in the life of this church? It should be. It must be. It will be. Exalting Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when you make out your calendar for the week, let me encourage you that the first thing you write down in your calendar is worship on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Now, I know some of you work as first responders and some of you work uh, in the medical profession. And so I understand works of necessity and works of mercy. Some of you are plumbers and, hey, if someone's uh, hot water heater just explodes and their whole house is flooding, I know you need to go to their house and help them uh, not drown in the water. But other than that, other than works of necessity or works of mercy, you need to put this time on your calendar every week as the top priority in your life. This past week at Family Bible Conference, we were challenged to make family worship time, daily worship time as a family, a non-negotiable and essential part of your life and your daily routine. The top priority in your life and the top priority in the life of this church has to be that Christ would be exalted. Christ would be exalted. The second priority that 
Jesus gives us is not only that we exalt him, but that we evangelize everyone. Look at what he says in verse 18. Jesus said, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so Jesus is highlighting his sovereignty there, that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so it's based upon the authority that's been given him by the Father that he's about ready to give this commission in verse 19. And there he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What's the second top priority of this church in your life? Evangelize everyone. Never assume any time in your life that someone that you know knows Jesus the way you know Jesus. That's one of the greatest failures in life of the church is that we assume that everyone that's sitting around here knows Jesus the way we know Jesus. And you don't have to be ugly about it. You don't have to be militant about it. You don't have to be a bully about it. But you can simply ask one another what their testimony is. Describe your journey of faith. It don't have to be a bully about it. But we need to evangelize everyone within our midst and ask them where they stand in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You need to know how significant this was in the course of redemptive history. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God made a promise to Abraham as he says that in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That should be the cry of our hearts this morning. That all the nations would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That all that you know in your family, in your friends, in your circles of influence would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's only one Redeemer of God's elect. As Westminster Shorter Catechism question 21 asks, Who is the Redeemer of God's elect? There is only one Redeemer of God's elect. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the second priority that Jesus gives us? To evangelize everyone. How well are we doing in that at that work in the life of the ARP denomination? We're great at exalting Christ. But we've got a lot of work to do here. How many of you, by a show of hands, would agree that, that sharing the gospel, making disciples of all the nations, should be a top priority of the church? Anyone, anyone disagree with that? Everyone agree with that? How many ARPs do you think it takes to lead one person to Christ? Now, I'm not checking my Calvinism at the door, okay? I know that no one comes to, to faith in Christ unless they've been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. I know that, that no one comes to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws him. So I'm not checking Tulip at the door. We're just dealing with some basic facts of statistics. How many ARPs does it take to lead one person to faith in Christ? It's about 200. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. Long before Randy Pope planted Perimeter PCA Church in Atlanta, uh, Randy, one of Randy's mentors, Frank Barker, said, uh, Randy, as you go to Atlanta, there's a, a goal I want to give you, that every year you'll offer at least one training session in how to equip your people to share their faith. Randy listened to Frank Barker. He accepted the challenge from Frank Barker, and now Perimeter Church has been alive for, <laughs> in existence for a number of years. And 
Randy, every single year, has offered some sort of training session for his people to be equipped in how to share their faith. As a result of their faithfulness to that goal, God has blessed that church not only grow, but multiply into other churches. In fact, so many churches have been planted as a result of Perimeter's faithfulness to the Great Commission that they've actually formed their own presbytery around Atlanta, pretty much. Friends, you need to know that your evangelism and outreach committee has taken that goal as a goal that they want to have in the life of our church. And so every year, we're going to seek to offer at least one training session about how you can be equipped to share your faith. And it just so happens that this year, this October, we're going to offer you an opportunity to be trained in the same tool that Randy Pope has used at Perimeter Church for a number of years. It's called Express Your Faith. And so the next several weeks, you're going to begin hearing about that uh, opportunity to be trained in how to share the gospel with your friends. It's called Express Your Faith. A friend of mine uh, by the name of Dr. Stacy Cox, who's a, a graduate of the Doctor of Ministry program at Erskine Theological Seminary, is going to come and share with us in October that evangelism tool. It's simply just a way to walk people, walk friends that you have through John's gospel. It's easy, it's simple, anyone can do it. And why are we going to do that? Because Jesus said that we're supposed to prioritize the same things that he prioritizes. And we are to evangelize everyone that we meet. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity that the Evangelism and Outreach Committee of your church is going to offer you this fall. What's the third priority that our Lord Jesus gives us? Not only to exalt him and to evangelize everyone, but to educate disciples. Look at verses 19 and 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Not only are we supposed to evangelize people, but as they come to faith in Christ, as the Holy Spirit does the work of regeneration in their hearts and brings them from spiritual death to spiritual life, we now need to educate them in the truth. We need to pass on the deposit of good faith, as the Apostle Paul says in his letters to Timothy. We're to pass on the sound doctrine, the sound faith that has been given to us. And so the third priority that Jesus gives his church is to educate disciples. Now here's where the Presbyterian church usually excels. Here's usually what happens. God uses the Baptists to bring them to faith in Christ... And then he sends them over to the Presbyterian church to get more educated. Right? I resemble that comment. So this is typically where we excel as Presbyterians. Now notice, we want to prioritize what Jesus prioritizes. And we want to be as balanced as Christ desires his church to be balanced. And so there's nothing flashy about what we do here. We use God's word. To teach God's people. And we depend upon the Holy Spirit to use God's word being preached and taught. To educate us in who God is. And what God demands of us and desires for us. The Westminster Shorter Catechism question number three asks, what do the scriptures principally teach? And it says, the scriptures principally teach two things. What man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. So the Bible primarily teaches us doctrine and duty. 
Those are the two things that it teaches us. And so as a church, we want to prioritize what Jesus prioritizes. And one of the things that Jesus prioritizes is that his disciples be educated, that they be learners, that they grow in their knowledge and their love and commitment to him. And how does that happen? You need to learn sound doctrine, and then you need to respond to that sound doctrine by putting it into practice. We talk about belief and practice, doctrine and duty, the indicative, the imperative in the Presbyterian Reformed worlds, and that's true. We need to learn what we're to believe concerning God, and in light of who God is, how we should live in response to Him. So we want to educate you as God's people. Don't be like Jennifer's grandmother. She told me a number of years ago, when she hit her 90s, Tanner, I've met everyone I care to meet, and I've learned everything I care to learn. But in your relationship with Jesus, I want you to be more like Tom Brady as he approaches training camp this month. Tom Brady's a seven-time Super Bowl champion, but you know what he's doing right now? He's in training camp. He's focusing on the fundamentals of how to even hold a football and throw a football. And it isn't as if he's given up on studying film of other teams. But what is he? He's a learner. He's a student of the game. Even though many would argue he's the greatest of all time to play the position of quarterback. Look, brothers and sisters, many of you are far closer to Jesus probably than I am. And many of you are probably far more educated in the Word of God than I am. But remember that the title disciple means learner. And so we're never to give up learning more about who God is and what God requires of us. And I want to encourage you that we have many opportunities here at the ARP Church of Bartow for you to be educated in the faith. In your bulletin this morning, you saw, you've seen only this morning, but for several weeks now, that Sunday school is going to begin back on September 5th. There are going to be several opportunities for you to be educated, for your children to be educated in the faith. One class I'm excited about is, is a class that's going to be uh, focusing on the same passage of Scripture as adults that your children will be learning. So our goal is to, to educate you and equip you to have those conversations with your children and your grandchildren following worship. But that isn't the only opportunity that we offer you. We offer you another opportunity to be educated in the faith. On Wednesday nights, we have prayer meeting and Bible study. And over the last several months, we've been doing a... a a study of each book of the New Testament, giving you an overview of God's Word. That is a place where you could come and dig in deeper into God's Word and learn more about who God is and what God requires of you and begin acquiring more of the sound doctrine, the sound faith that God offers us. But there are women opportunities as well. You hear more about the women of the church and connect groups and circles as they have been called in the years past about opportunities for you to be discipled more in your faith and for women to build those relationships that are very important to them. And there are other discipleship groups, some that maybe aren't even printed in the bulletin that you're not even aware of, maybe some elders in our church that are just naturally discipling some people around them and in their circles of influence and those that they begin building relationships with them. I want to encourage you outside of Sunday morning, find 
find a place to get plugged in where you can be educated in the faith. For some of you, Wednesday night at 6 or 6.30 may not work for you. I remember when I was in a sales position, I couldn't attend Wednesday night Bible studies because I was out on calls and sales jobs. We understand that. Find a place in the life of the church where you can get plugged in and be educated in the faith. Build relationships with one another and be held accountable in your walk with Jesus Christ. And so that's the third priority that Christ gives us in this passage is to be educated. As a disciple. And then the last priority he gives us is to equip disciple makers. Where is it said that we're supposed to equip people in this passage? Well, it's more implied than explicitly stated. How so? Well, because we're here. After the disciples went about making other disciples, do you know what those disciples did? They continued the work. They made other disciples, and they taught them about Jesus. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so the idea is that we need to equip disciple makers. See, the end point of discipleship is not to just get educated. God doesn't want you just to ace a Bible trivia exam. That's not the end game of discipleship. The end game of discipleship is to pass your faith on to someone else. It's to pass your faith on to the next generation. The church of Jesus Christ, realistically, is only one generation from ceasing to exist. And so we need to be committed as a church to not only educate our, ourselves in the faith, but to equip one another to pass our faith on to our children and to the next generation. Soon after I came here as your pastor, I was given an opportunity by our presbytery to go up to North Carolina to be trained in a tool of evangelism uh, related to evangelism explosion. It's called XEE. I did not want to go because I'd had a bad experience with EE in my past evangelism explosion. And so I didn't want to go. And the presbytery said, well, you've got a bad taste in your mouth. That's the reason why you should go. I like, okay. So I went, and we went to... to Charlotte, North Carolina, over the weekend, on a Friday night, they wanted us to go out and talk to perfect strangers about Jesus. And I said, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. But what happened over the course of that weekend was this, is that I found out that there are a lot more people that were receptive to a spiritual conversation than I had originally believed. But more importantly, here's what happened. God revealed to me and convicted me over the years I knew something was missing in my ministry. And I knew that overall there was something missing in the ministry of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church as a whole, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I realized what it was. We're great at exalting Christ. We're great at educating disciples, but where we tend to fail or be feeble and weak is in evangelizing others and equipping people for the work of ministry. So can I share with you what happened to me over that weekend? We went out and I saw four phases of equipping. The first phase was this. I just went out and watched somebody share their faith. And he said to me, I'll do it, you watch and learn. 
So I did. I remember thinking, he's going to bomb horribly. But he didn't. Then the second time we went out, he said, I'm going to do it, but you're going to help me. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. He was like, I know, but you'll, you'll figure it out. So we got to a point in the conversation with someone where he said, and Tanner, what else would you add to this? And I kind of knew the next point on the gospel outline. I said, well, I would ask this question. And I asked the question, and then he took back over the conversation. And so it went from, I do, you watch, to I do, you help me, Tanner. I was like, okay. Then the third time we went out, he said, oh, Tanner, you're going to take the lead. I was like, but I'm not, I don't know everything. He said, I know, but when, I'm going to be your training wheel. And so when you get tapped out and you get scared, just look at me and give me those big eyes, and I'll know when to take over. So that's exactly what happened. Got into a conversation with someone. I was like, I don't know where to take it from here. So I just kind of looked at him, big eyes, and he was like, well, as I would say, and he took over. So it went from I do, you watch, I do, you help, to you do, I'll help. And then by the end of the weekend, he said, you do it. I'll watch. The church has a tendency to create disillusioned learners for this reason. We tend to go from step one to step four. We usually rant and rave about how we need to evangelize everyone, and then we say, okay, go do it. And you know what happens? Some of you go out to lunch after church and you muster up the, the strength and the courage and it, you, you, you feel like you fell and you bomb. You'll say, I'll never do that again. Or we'll do this. We teach Sunday school for eight years and then we say, okay, it's time for you to teach. And then we release someone to teach a Sunday school class and we haven't walked them along the steps of equipping. And so they, they feel overwhelmed by the opportunity. We do the same thing with officers, elders and deacons as well. So you can go over through the, the history of the life of the church and you'll find people that have become disillusioned learners because they went from just watching someone to being released out to do it, but they haven't been equipped along the way. This so was a church. We want to prioritize what Christ prioritizes, which is this, that we equip people for the work of ministry, that in the course of discipling them, whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be in women's ministry, whether it be in a discipleship group, that you're naturally taking people along with you. You identify potential leaders, and you say, in your mind, whether they realize it or not, I'm going to do it, they're going to watch. But now I'm going to take it from I'm doing that, I'm going to have, I'm going to have them help me a little bit. And before they know it, they're going to be leading, I'm going to be helping. And then by the end of your time with them, you'll release them to do it. Think it's realistic? It is. It happened with 20, about 20 middle school, school students at Family Bible Conference last week. They thought they were going to have to listen to me talk for six hours straight. But I took them through a simple tool of how they can have a quiet time. And it went from I'm doing it, you watch, I do it, you help, to you do it, I'll help you. And now I'm confident many of them could train their own friends in how to share their faith. What's most important to you? Is it what is most important to Jesus Christ? We've got to make Jesus' priorities our priorities, not only in our own lives, but in the life of this church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessed opportunity you give us to be your children, to be the sheep of your pasture. 
Lord, I confess to you that in my own daily life, I get off target many times. By interruptions, by pressing needs. So Lord, I pray that you would help me as a pastor, help us as a church to be a church that seeks to prioritize what you prioritize. That we would seek most importantly to exalt you, O God. That we'd seek to evangelize everyone that we meet, not in a bully way, but in a conversational, loving way. We would seek to educate one another in the sound faith, but we would not end there. But we would seek to equip one another in the faith that we've been given so that we might pass it on to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people agreed saying, amen.